there will be some industries that will struggle and there will be some small businesses and some areas that will close with a lot of the issues that are going on. And there are plenty of others that aren't. Um, like I say, they, I, I can guarantee you none of the none of the bars and pubs in central Amsterdam are in any danger of shutting anytime soon. And I would imagine it's much the same in central London. It's the smaller places that were probably already struggling um, and running on a, a razor's edge margin that are gonna are gonna start to feel the crunch. And admittedly, that's probably been a long time coming. And and again, it's it's maybe what we're really looking at is all the the issues around inflation. Um, the issues around the cost of living, housing prices, all these sorts of things. It's not, this isn't something that just happened in the last six months. This has been a decade more in the making. I think, I think it's quick to, people are quick to forget how long this has really been building and that what we're really seeing now is. Welcome to the Exponential Investor Podcast. Want to be a better, smarter, more clued up investor? Well, you've come to the right place. We cover the breakthrough investment ideas you don't hear about in the mainstream to keep you on top of the megatrends and opportunities reshaping our world. And welcome back to this week's Exponential Investor Podcast. I am your host, Shay Russell, and I am joined by my fabulous co-host, Sam Volkering. Sam, how are you? We missed you last week, mate. Yeah, it's good to, good to be back with you. I've got to admit, I'm still a little, I don't know... It, <laughs> Like I said to you just off air, I feel like I'm jet lagged, but I know I'm not jet lagged because I've I've only been in Holland or the Netherlands, uh, and the time zone difference is only an hour. But I, I still feel like I'm I'm all over the place playing catch up, and um, I've only been away a, a week and a bit. But um, yeah, it's it's felt like it's felt like a long time. But very nice to be back with you. And uh, well, that's the entire viewers. point of a break. Well, I suppose maybe I've I've had, I've had too good a break. But I, I still feel broken. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, do you know what? If you still feel broken, let's talk about your break. Where yeah. did you go and what did you do? But before, there's a third question here because I do love to roll things out in threes. Um, I know when I go away somewhere, I can't help but look from it, look at it from an investment point of view. Yeah. I guarantee you, even if you disconnected from the markets, is yeah. there an investment angle to wherever, well, to where you were in Holland, a whole hour away from your home? You know what? It, it, it is, and I'm I'm exactly the same. And, and people probably call us weirdos, and my my phone keeps <laughs> dinging, so I'm gonna I'm gonna switch off my dings on my phone. Um, people definitely call us weirdos when we travel because I'm always looking at things from that from that angle so i went to i went to the netherlands and i went to the dutch grand prix which has been actually now a couple of years in the making i was originally scheduled to go in 2020 we had tickets to the dutch grand prix it was like the first time it had been run since the 60s i think um and then covid and it got cancelled and then it got postponed to the year later. And then I couldn't manage to get there last year. And then anyway, got some um, some credit for the tickets and then managed to get tickets for this year. And so uh, so we went and it was phenomenal. Uh, this guy here, Max Verstappen, the, 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 the Dutchman, uh, he won. He's the only Dutchman on the Formula One grid at the moment. And half a million Dutch people and supporters all going for one driver in a in a in an event like that uh the atmosphere was in, insane but you can't help <laughs> like you say can't help but go to something like that and still be thinking about 
just every, just how the world works, right? So, you know, I got I got to get it to the airport and got on a plane, and it was when I went over there, it was relatively quiet, and that wasn't probably abnormal for the time I was flying. On the way back, when I was coming back from Schiphol Airport, uh, it was insane. Like there were so many people at Schiphol, it, it, it blew my mind. A lot of people talk about how um, air, you know, people aren't traveling as much, or you know, there's there's you know, plane carriers are appealing off flights. My flight left at 5 p.m. Uh, on Tuesday afternoon, and there were like a dozen flights out of Schiphol, all scheduled at 5 p.m. Dutch time. Like, there are so many planes still up in the air. There are so many flights happening every single minute of every single day globally. I, I what I recommend, you know, is that people go onto the website Flight Radar 24 and check out. Just zoom out a bit and have a look over any region, whether it be Europe or America or Asia. Have a look at how many planes are in the air at any given moment. It is thousands, thousands of planes. And that's millions of people. And that's some ungodly amounts of aviation fuel and catering and, uh, and ticket sales and all the things that that you would you would think that oh well if we're we're heading into a global recession you know those sorts of things are you know at risk no people planes are still going to fly they still need to be fueled uh the the oil that's needed to create you know jet fuel is still needed going to be bought um the the world continues to to tick along you know it's like i'm sorry i'm i'm sort of going on rambling on a little bit here <laughs> but I'll, I'll let you jump on it in, in a second but when you're in a when you're in a crowd with half a million dutch people at a grand prix and there's beers being sold just just endless amounts of heineken flowing and you realize how much people pay for tickets to those things you look at all the people on the trains and the transport and the, the prices they're paying for those sorts of things um you know even people that come from from the uk they have, have travel insurance or around the world you know there are still a, there's still a whole bunch of activity happening in the global economy um while you know there's a lot of bad news and a lot of reasons to sort of be thinking oh god my bills are skyrocketing um you know the the cost of living's getting going to become unaffordable you still look at what happens in the world and there's so much activity happening whether it be the aviation industry uh, sports and entertainment um, beverages and, and and insurances you can pick you can cherry pick from a whole bunch of different industries and there's still going to be oh, just an immense number of opportunities for people to invest in areas that are still going to do pretty well even if we're in a global recession um i think you raise an excellent point so i've been traveling quite a bit uh for work as well lately so i've, I've basically been at an airport every three weeks for 12 months now and a little, little tired. My bags have only been lost once in that time though. Yeah, but it raises an excellent point that if we are going into a global recession, people are still very keen to travel. I know when you know tickets go on sale for discounted airfares, they're getting snapped up really quickly. And I can't help but wonder if this is a symptom or, or, or this is our hangover from COVID. That, and as, as the cost of living does increase, it's like, well, that's okay. We will forego other things because we were robbed of this one thing for so long. So I'm, I'm, I kind of wonder that if people are continuing to travel um, as opposed to, you know, tightening their belts, you know, maybe they're eating out less at home, but they're saving that money. They're still going to spend it. They're just going to spend it in somebody else's country 
rather than their own country. And because like the UK, much like Australia, for two years, we were in and out of lockdowns. It was, you know, a game of open shut them, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And look, I don't want to, I don't want to be too sort of flippant and buoyant about things because they're, they're for a large swathe of, of, of society, you know, it's going to sort of, it is going to crunch pretty hard and people aren't going to travel and, but they're sort of, I guess, probably people that weren't ever going to travel anyway. Um, I think that what we will see is that you you will see, and so again, something like so the euro, the 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 value of the euro against the USD is like being decimated, right? So, what I know, and you notice this all the time when you go to somewhere like Amsterdam, is that there are a lot of Americans. But it was almost weird as like there were a lot of a lot of Americans when we were there. Now maybe they were there for the, just for the Grand Prix, but I doubt it because a lot of them didn't weren't you know kitted out in, in the in the team kit and stuff like we were. But so it's a like. For, for now is a great time to travel to Europe for Americans because the US dollar is so strong against the Euro. Um, and I noticed it too, you know, the, the, the cost of, you know, even just to buy a beer in, in central Amsterdam, it's not that different from London, right? The prices aren't, it's, it's a little bit cheaper than London, but for Americans, it's like party time. <laughs> it's like, you know, seven bucks for them for a for a pint of of heineken at at a at a bar that's that's different from what it used to be and and so to get so once they get there spending is is a lot better so i think it is i think maybe it's a reallocation of 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 spending from one country to to another but as i say i think you know there'll be a lot of and so in england right in the uk at the moment there's there's a lot of a lot of stuff being posted on social media and a lot of commentary being made around the skyrocketing price of energy for small businesses, bars and pubs, and a number of them are going to have to close. And that's a reality. Like, can't escape that fact. Um, you, some you know are true, and some you wonder about the real truth behind it. Um, so we've, we've got to, again, we've got to balance out. There will be some industries that will struggle, and there will be some small businesses and some areas that will close with a lot of the issues that are going on. And there are plenty of others that aren't. Um, like I say, I can guarantee you none of the none of the bars and pubs in central Amsterdam are in any danger of shutting anytime soon. And I would imagine it's much the same in central London. It's the smaller places that were probably already struggling um, and running on a, a razor's edge margin that are gonna are gonna start to feel the crunch. And admittedly, that's probably been a long time coming. And and again, it's it's maybe what we're really looking at is all the the issues around inflation. Um, the issues around the cost of living, housing prices, all these sorts of things. It's not, this isn't something that just happened in the last six months. This has been a decade more in the making. I think, I think it's quick to, people are quick to forget how long this has really been building. And that what we're really seeing now is a, a, a sort of global correction as to a lot, of, a lot of these issues probably should have been ironed out five, 10 years ago. But now we're starting to pay the price for them. And then there, then there are other things that are coinciding at the same time. So it builds this kind of larger than life storm behind it. But, you know, it's a sad situation when sometimes you find an economy falls into a situation like this and there's going to be some pain. But like I said, at the same time, there's plenty of money. And you, you said it yourself, it's, it's sort of a COVID hangover. There's still money that's going to be spent. Like there's, I, have, I look around my local area, construction, residential construction and, and extensions and things like that, that is not slowing down. That's accelerating. People are doing more 
And so there's still money to be flowing. There's still money flowing out there. There's a lot of money that's been sitting in cash looking for a home. And I think people are going to start to deploy that more and more um, over the next, you know, 12 to 24 months. Uh, you raised a couple of really good points in there, and I'd love to comment further on most of them. Uh, the problem is I caught about every 10th word because of your dodgy internet connection. Um, so, so I'm just going to sort of guess from here. Let's talk about the technology angle when it comes to travel. Now, um, I, look, I know as well. <laughs> well I, hang on. I, want, no, I know what you're going to ask. Let me just, can, I, can I just jump in? Because there's two sides to this story. There's technology that is developed and is implemented and there's technology that's developed implemented and not used let me give you just one example i was coming through skipball went through security which took wasn't too bad but it still took a long time then we get to the passport control section right and as you are well aware and i'm sure people that travel are well well aware they now have smart gates automated passport checking gates there's usually at least a dozen of them sometimes more so that you can get a constant flow of people coming through the airport. Now they're all banging on about staff shortages and, you know, issues with getting people to, you know, do certain roles at airports. When we got to the bar, when I got to the passport gates, it was all being manually checked. All, I think there were like 15 automated smart checking gates were closed. All of them. None of them were in use. If you're going to have these sorts of technologies and then bitch and moan about not having enough people to do the jobs and then not use the technology that you've put in place to help with the burden of, of human resources. I don't want to hear about your complaints anymore. You've, if you're going to implement this technology and use it, use it. Don't just have it sat there, just, just idly doing nothing. So I think, and, but that's a, I think that's also a byproduct of bureaucracy as well. So we've, we've got to balance the fact that we can have new technologies, but we've also got to balance the fact that they won't get used because of bureaucracy. I actually completely agree with you. So for the first time ever, I used one of the passport exit smart gates at uh, LAX airport uh, in July, just gone. Obviously, we don't have them in Australia. You know, We're not that advanced. We would never think to do something so efficient like install, install these uh, smart passport gates to get out. Um, the only thing that I find absolutely fascinating about having these 10 massive gates, these smart gates to go through to get on your plane. Love the idea of it. Think it's great. Remove the human error element as well as, you know, reducing the amount of staff needed. How is it that we still don't know how to form an orderly queue to access these, this smart technology? Um, so what I'm, what, the point I'm trying to make is we're, we're bringing all of this new technology in, but we're still not working out the most efficient way to use it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... <laughs> Queuing, queuing is a specialty here in the UK for the British people. So they, they've, they've figured out how to queue quite well over here, I must admit. But again, it's the deployment of these, you know, so much money gets spent on new technologies and the development of technologies and government pumps money into providing grants. But all, it's, it's lip service. All, all they're really doing is just pretending to actually care about growth realistically a lot of these technologies very rarely see the light of day because it requires change it requires forward thinking it requires planning years ahead uh and most of most governments aren't certainly prepared for that so i mean again you see the 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 spent expenditure onto onto these sorts of things and then you when you just see them not even being utilized um you've got to ask the question why 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 you know in in 
in periods of, again, so even things like baggage handlers, right, at, uh, at airports, why aren't there more autonomous technologies used? You know, it's not like they're not reliable and it's not like they're not available. So why aren't they being used? We, we, we sort of let the powers that be get away with far too much because not enough people ask why. Put all this money behind these sorts of things. If you really want to make an impact on the cost of living, if you really want to make an impact on inflation, then you need to deploy technologies that will help drive costs lower, that will help companies operate on fatter margins so that when there are periods of global recession, they don't all then have their backs to the wall. Um, and that, that has an impact on how you can help the cost of living for people because it drives it, like autonomous technologies in agriculture. Again, if, if, while the deployment and the capital expenditure might be high to start with, if, if, if they were forward enough thinking five years ago to deploy that capital expenditure then, then we wouldn't be having these problems now. But as I say, no one's that forward looking because all they can say is to the tip of their nose, not beyond it, because they all just want to survive a term. So you need five, 10-year planning and you need capital expenditure at the right time so that you get to points like this and you don't have these problems anymore. But that's governance and that's bureaucracy. That's, that's, that's why big government sucks. That's why bureaucracy and red tape needs to be very severely reduced. All right, we're going to get to the under the bus portion of today's podcast. And that's where I ask you a question that you were not prepared for. But prepared. I know we did talk about how... <laughs> I know we did talk about offline about how we probably neither of us would probably recommend an airline stock right now. But if you were to recommend an investable angle in the travel sector, overall travel sector, it can be quite broad. What do you think is probably... Uh, let, yeah, let's go. Look, there's forward thinking and then there's undervalued. And often these are two different categories. So you do you see a sector in the in the general, you know, travel, uh, what, what do we call it? Leisure? Is it leisure sector? Like, like is, there, is there somewhere you would put your own money? Like not necessarily a company name, but a sector that you think uh, could be rewarding in spite of the cost of living crisis? Yeah, so I was reading the KLM magazine on the way back uh, from Schiphol. And um, they had an interesting article in there, which is an area of, of interest I've had for a while, and we've we've done a bit of research with it with some of my advisory services is around sustainable aviation fuels or SAF fuels. SAF, they they, you know, they love it. everyone loves an abbreviation or an acronym. SAF, sustainable aviation fuels. So it, it, it's aviation fuel which isn't you know hasn't got the the huge requirements and the carbon emissions that uh, modern current jet fuel has, and so if if airlines can operate on fuel that is more sustainable, uh, carbon neutral, or at least as close to it as possible, um, and 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 helps them to operate cheaper fuel, uh, that all that all has knock-on effects, you know. So so cheaper fuel um, helps keep ticket prices low, which you know helps with you know helps people to travel because then you know travel doesn't become as inflationary as the rest of the economy. Um, it helps the airlines operate on better margins so that they're at a lower risk of, you know, having their backs to the wall if, if the economy is struggling, which means they can employ more people or they can keep more people employed is probably a better way to put it. Um, so those sorts of things, that sort of technology, that kind of development in global travel and the aviation industry in particular, sustainable aviation fuels, I think that's a really interesting and exciting 
direction that the entire airline industry is is well aware of and is absolutely pushing forward uh, to to bring those sorts of fuels and technologies online. Uh, Sam, I'm super glad I asked that question. You did not disappoint. You gave me gave me an extremely unexpected answer, and that is on the money. It's far better than anything I would have said. I actually would have said, "Look out for discount liquor chains." I, that's where I would have put my money. Uh, um, look out, was however, it the, we... the luggage luggage manufacturers. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, or travel insurance, because God only knows how much money I spent on travel insurance and they never had to claim. Um, now, that was a, an adventurous podcast for all of us because I actually didn't get to hear most of Sam's answers for this bar, for this because of a, a questionable internet connection. So I hope everybody enjoyed Sam's insights, although uh, the biofuels in aviation is definitely my key takeaway for today. Uh, Sam, this has been a great podcast. Thank you very much for being here and everybody for listening or watching. Thanks for being here and bye for now.